Hollow Mountain Publishing presents My Castle, Book Two of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 9, The Split Katie, there are some kids at the door wanting to talk to you. They say it's important. Katie lifted her head off the pillow, trying to focus on her mom. What? I know you've been up all night, but they don't want to go away until they talk to you. Katie sat up, wiping the sleep out of her eyes. Grabbing some sweatpants, she slowly put them on. She stumbled into the living room, staring at the three strangers standing there. Can I help you? Katie Johnson, one of them asked. Yes, that's me. The Katie Johnson who asked us to come find her in Lexus, Tennessee. She blinked a couple of times, wondering what they were talking about. I don't recall doing that. The one looked at the other two. Another step forward. You don't recall screaming with your mind? Hello, my name is Katie Johnson. I live in Lexus, Tennessee. Katie blinked, realizing for the first time the person talking to her was speaking into her mind. She sat heavily on the couch, staring at the strangers. What kind of wear animal do you turn into? She said cautiously with her mind, the one speaking gave the other two a grin before turning back to her. My name is Justin. I turn into a bobcat. This is Nathan. He turns into a mountain lion. Joel changes into a tiger. Damn, she thought. Always a cat, never a wolf. We tried to get here as fast as we could. It sounded like you were in real trouble last night, Joel said with his thoughts. We were afraid of what we would find once we got here. Katie nodded absently, still trying to digest them being here. How far did you guys travel? I'm from Greenwood, South Carolina. Nathan's from Seneca, South Carolina. Joel's from Clayton, Georgia. You don't know each other? All three shook their heads at once. I heard you call, gathered up my things, and started heading down the road. I found Nathan just over the border into Georgia, cussing at every car that passed him with his thoughts. After that, I reached out with my mind to every hitchhiker, asking them if they could hear me. We picked up Joel just outside Franklin, Tennessee. Have you had any problems with seekers? Justin shrugged. Tell you the truth, I thought I was the only weird animal around. I don't have a clue what a seeker is. So... There may be more out there, just like you guys? Justin shrugged. That sounds right. Katie heard the distinct rumble of an empty stomach. Are you hungry? Justin shrugged. My truck eats a lot of gas. I was afraid I was going to have to walk some of the way here. Katie immediately got up and led them into the kitchen. Looking into the refrigerator, she was happy to find a complete roasted chicken. Digging it out, she placed it on the table. With grateful smiles, the three boys dug in, 
seen it wouldn't take long for them to finish off the chicken, she kept rooting around for food until she could see them slow down. She watched them finish off everything on the table. She was absently wondering what to do with them. Could you hear me before yesterday? Justin smiled. Like I said, I thought I was the only freak around. The other two nodded. Do you happen to have any Native American blood in your family history? All three guys stopped, staring at her with wide eyes. I don't know anything about my dad, Nathan piped up. I'm sure my mom is all white. Joel shrugged. My grandma was one quarter Cherokee. Does that count? I don't know my family history past my grandparents, but I'm pretty sure we're all white. Justin finished off. What makes you so sure you're completely white? Justin's face turned red. My grandparents are pretty racist. I can't imagine them even associating with anyone colored. Not that I mind. I don't mind being around colored people. She nodded, registering Justin's discomfort, deciding to ignore the gaff. Before you were a werecat, did you guys dream about a great white tiger trying to eat a toddler? All three guys looked at each other before grinning. Didn't I say we could get some answers if we could only find her, Justin said to the other two. Katie had no idea what they were talking about. Who are you looking for? You, Katie Johnson, from Lexus, Tennessee, Joel said with a laugh. Katie rolled her eyes. Right. I'm the one with all the answers. Now that you guys have food in your belly, let's go ahead and get going. The three guys looked at her questioningly. We just got here, Joel said. Where are we going? To see the great white tiger. Maybe he has some ideas on what to do with you. Cool, Joel said. I'm sure he could answer all our questions. Don't count on it, she grumbled as she led them out the door. Katie? Katie automatically turned and faced her mom. Are you leaving? Yes. Her mother stared at her for a moment. Don't you think you should at least comb your hair before you go? Are you telling me I look like crap? Her mother folded her arms. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Katie turned, facing the three grinning guys. I look like crap? We didn't want to be rude, Justin said sheepishly. Hey, if you want to look bad, who are we to say otherwise? Nathan said, grinning. Thanks. I appreciate that. Look, why don't you guys go on ahead to the Blacks? I'll be right behind you. She quickly gave them directions. Going back into the house, she reached out with her mind. David, I'm sending three pure hearts to you. They'll be at your house in about ten minutes. Katie, I need to speak to you. David immediately spoke back with his thoughts. Katie's shoulders automatically slumped. He still sounded upset. Give me 30 minutes. I'll be waiting. Taking a quick shower, Katie took her time getting ready. Walking into the kitchen, her mother was dubiously looking in the refrigerator. Those teenage boys just ate a week's worth of groceries. Sorry, Mom. I heard their stomachs growling. I couldn't just ignore it. Her mom sighed and closed the refrigerator. It's a good thing I'm making a lot more money 
We would be buying groceries and losing a house to the bank like everyone else in the nation. It doesn't feel like we are making more money. Her mother grinned. I hired a man to help me with Martineau Plantation. He actually approached me. He told me he had heard I bought the place and offered his services. He is working for dirt cheap. I can't believe what a help he's going to be. Maybe he's a con man. I checked his references. He has been with the same employer for 18 years. Apparently, they had a disagreement, and both sides decided it was best he leave. What's his name? Her mother made a face. Reginald Cumberland. Katie laughed. Reginald? Are you kidding me? Her mother laughed along with her. It sounds made up, doesn't it? Katie nodded, still grinning over the ridiculous name. I'm meeting him at the plantation home at 3 p.m. Would you like to meet him? Katie nodded. I can't wait. Katie watched David as he moved restlessly around his parents' living room. He was wearing a sheet, toga style, which made him look extremely sexy. She could see why college students would dress up in them to go to parties. Apparently, they were the only two people in the house. She had no idea what happened to the new pure hearts she sent his way. Katie, I thought I told you. Under no circumstances was Jackson to come near this house while I was transforming. Katie blinked out of a reverie. I asked Jackson to come. What part of the description? Under no circumstances, it's hard for you to understand. David delivered the speech, slow and precise, as if he was talking to an unruly child. The part where we would all be dead if he didn't? She mimicked her words in the same delivery as his. David sighed. My parents have a hard time having him around their house. I have a hard time having him around our house. When we know he is responsible for Sam's death. Katie folded her arms. I'm sure they'll be glad they could feel anything at all. If it wasn't for him, all of us would be dead. David closed his eyes in frustration. I'm sure you and the other werecats could handle it. We weren't handling it, David. There were too many of them. We were being run over. Katie raised her voice a little, trying to get her point across. And yet, you attacked Lizzie, knocking her out so she couldn't fight. David brought the point home accusing her with his eyes. Katie paused a moment, trying to explain her actions. Lizzie is a traitor. Do you have any idea how ludicrous that sounds? David puffed himself up, ready to argue. We have both known Lizzie her whole life. She is the granddaughter of old Elizabeth Hawk for crying out loud. And yet, she has tried to kill Candy and myself twice, Jackson and Tyler once. Katie said, sounding like she was discussing the weather. Where's Candy? I'm sure she could back up my story. I've already heard Candy's version of events, David said offhandedly. I was thinking I could get you of all people to see the error of your thinking. The evidence is there, David. Katie shrugged her shoulders. I have had over a week to get used to the idea. But like it or not, Lizzie is somehow in cahoots with the seekers that attacked us last night. And if it wasn't for Jackson, we would all be dead. I'm having a hard time believing. You are so quick to condemn your best friend since what? Kindergarten? David stopped his pacing to face her. 
but you're willing to bend over backwards to give the seekers, especially Jackson, every benefit of the doubt. Katie sighed. David, these are two totally different scenarios. One set of people is trying to atone for their mistakes. The other set willingly making them. I tried to see your point of view with the seekers. He brushed his fingers through his hair in agitation. When I smelled them this morning, I could smell the evil on them. Do you understand? The evil is ingrained. It's in their scent. Of course they have an evil scent. They are seekers. Katie lifted her hands, putting her two fingers together in a quote sign. Are you telling me you can smell the evil and yet you still have them around you? Why do you think I attacked Jackson the first time I saw him? I did not know what he planned, but I knew his intentions were evil because of his scent. You admit Jackson is evil. I do not admit that at all. Katie was getting more exasperated by the minute. Jackson has been forgiven by the great white tiger. His soul has been returned to him. I have not forgiven him, Katie. Stunned, Katie stared at David. Be very careful. You may personify the great white tiger, but you are not all-knowing, nor do you have the ability to grant who gets forgiven. David sighed. I'm sorry, you're right. He started pacing the room again. Katie, I can't stand by and allow evil to be around me. Do you smell evil on Jackson? No. Katie could tell. He hated to admit it. I don't smell evil on Lizzie either. She hasn't actually succeeded in killing anyone. Katie, I'm not going to allow you to talk about Lizzie like that. Nor are you going to tell anyone else what you think about her. You need to keep it to yourself. No problem. Katie got up. As long as you don't tell Lizzie what we suspect, it will get one of us killed. Fine. David stopped in front of her. I cannot allow Seekers to be part of our team, Katie. What? She should have guessed where the conversation was going, but still came as a shock. I'm making an executive decision, Katie. You told me a number of times I'm the leader. My first decision is to keep Seekers and us apart. At least then, I know who my friends are. David, they saved us last night. The fighting wasn't that bad, and it didn't last very long. How do you know? There are no gray areas to evil, Katie. Yes, there is. It goes from the lightest gray to the blackest night, with every shade in between. Katie stepped closer, hoping to persuade him. Why don't you ask Miss Smith how the fighting went? Or Candy? They were there. David sighed. I don't know Candy very well, and he stopped and looked at her warily. And what? Her heart pounding, she waited for his response. Seekers cannot be trusted. The human soul will always become corrupt. Katie closed her eyes. Forrest is wrong. He's been around a lot longer than us, David pointed out. We have always trusted the elders in our community. Miss Smith has been around a lot longer than him. We have always been a matronly tribe. David backed away. Have you forgotten how Miss Smith made a fool of me? How she called the cops when we were freezing to death, shoveling her driveway? I haven't forgotten. I'm not going to stand around and listen to her on what she thinks I should do. I'm not going to stand around and allow a... 
her heart pounding, she waited for the word to come out. David stopped and stared at her. Were you going to say wolf? She said it so softly. It was almost a whisper. Was that the word you are ashamed to say in front of me? I am now responsible for everyone. I have to watch out for the Judas. Katie's heart dropped. A Judas or a Brutus? Remember me asking you what those two names meant? David looked down at his feet, unable to meet her eyes. I asked you if they were good friends with the people they betrayed. Do you remember what you said? Katie's voice cracked, her chest tight with emotions. You think I'm your Judas? David shook his head, still not meeting her eyes. Yes, you do. And there's nothing I can say to convince you otherwise. I don't think you'll do it on purpose, Katie. But you believe in the Seeker so strongly. You'll betray your own kind in trying to save them. He reached out, grabbing her shoulders. They cannot be saved. You do not believe the fight was bad last night because there were only two wolves and candy to attest to the fact. Yet, you believe Forrest, who was too afraid to look out the window while the fighting was taking place. Is that what I'm hearing? Katie, you're misunderstanding my intent. Oh, and let's not forget the fact that I will become the Judas in the pack. Not because of something I've done, but because the form I take is a wolf. Katie, please try to understand. I understand completely. Katie backed away, her eyes filling with tears. I will not be a part of whatever this is. Katie, don't go. His voice had an unnatural plea to it. She blindly turned away from him, reaching for the door. Don't go. She opened the door and shut it behind her. Bright sunshine and tears were blinding her. Walking down the steps, she grabbed her knapsack and automatically placed it on her back. It was so large, it hung down, touching the back of her knees. Katie! Goodbye, David. She ran for the woods, changing into wolf form as she stretched her legs to get away. She heard the angry cries of a tiger locked up inside his home. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. I hope you've enjoyed this week's session of My Castle, the second book in the Appalachian Storm series. Until next week, when our imaginations meet again, have a great day.